0: morning, morning, morning. Like always, this is the Anointed Radio Show. You're listening to us on the anointedradionetwork.com. And like always, in decency and order, we're going to go ahead and start off with a scripture and a prayer. And the scripture comes today from John 14 and 1. Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also and me Jesus is the way the truth and the light he came here to show you the way to show you the example in your life and despite how bad it gets you always have to remember that God has a plan for you Amen? amen amen Amen. thank you Lord dear Father thank you Lord right now we ask you to come in this place to take over the broadcast. Let it be all of you, none of us, God. Let something be said that somebody could be touched and healed. Yes, Lord. God, we just thank you for everything that you're doing. God, we just th- we thank you for all the things that you're going to do. Thank you for bringing us here this far, bringing us here to, to see a new day. God, just right now, bless us. Help us and guide us. Lead us to new pastures, Lord. Yes, Lord. God you're, you're Alpha and Omega you, You're you the beginning and the end You know the way The truth and the light So God we just thank you for all those things Get, Putting food on our table Having a roof over our head Putting yes. clothes on our back We just thank you Lord We're in a thankful praise right now this morning Lord God right now we just want you to Touch everybody that's Heading to church Be already at church Rolling over in bed or listen to us on the podcast. God, we just thank you for everything that you're doing and what you continue to do. We say that all in Jesus' precious name. Let the church say, Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. This is Pastor Jay. And like always, you can find me on Instagram at Anointed AnointedJayLon on Twitter, on Instagram it's anointed Jalon J A Y L O N. Or you can find me on Facebook at Pastor Jalon Calhoun on Facebook. And it is a great morning. Praise God. Give a praise report is I had my surgery on Monday and I'm yeah. back in the studio like nothing happened. No, I'm kind of weak, but still there's a difference. <laughs> I'm able to breathe. Yeah. Yes. So, praise God. Another again, give a shout-out to Lady AJ for giving me the ride over there. So, I appreciate that. And everybody, remember, take care of your health. Amen. Amen. You know, one thing I've realized, and, you know, I've I've, I've facilitated funerals and, and things that I've always seen is this. People always talk about, oh, Big Mama gone and Auntie gone, Uncle gone and and if it's due to sickness, it's like, because, you know taking care of yourself, the only person that's gonna take care of you is you and if you don't go to the doctor, that's on you. <laughs> so you can't get mad at God when God gave you the opportunity of doctors, gave you the opportunity of medicine, gave you the opportunity of common sense to say, hey, either I need to push the plate away or I need to start exercising or I need to take care of my temple. Let's just put it like that. A lot of us need to be some temple builders and maintainers to make sure that we live longer because – it's up to you. It's not up to your spouse. It's not up to your kids. It's not even up to your parents. It's up to you to make sure that you take care of yourself. So, with that being said, that's all I got to say. Yep.
1: No, you, you, no, you got something else to say. You have to remind everyone to tune in on Wednesdays now.
0: They should know that if they follow our Instagram. Again, follow our Instagram at LV Anointed radio and uh, Twitter at LVAnointedRadio radio and on facebook at anointed radio and i want you to understand that on wednesdays we are going live with the vegas lights fc this wednesday which
1: not not this wednesday Pastor. Uh, oh not this wednesday this wednesday we have the cannons
0: oh we got the cannons y'all see i don't do schedule so right. <laughs> don't ask me i'll be just throwing something out there so this wednesday we got interviewed though. We yes. booked until the month of what, Lady A.J.?
1: We're booked and busy until June.
0: Until I June. I like
1: it. I like it, too.
0: Hey, what can I say? Anointing Radio is blowing up. we about to be large. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. And, you know, with us being in the month of Stellar Awards, we'll be seeing a lot of people coming into Las Vegas, y'all. It
1: should be exciting.
2: Yes.
0: Definitely. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna go ahead and go into the rest of our intros.
1: Good morning, everyone. This is Lady AJ, and oh, I've got an announcement to make. You can follow me on Instagram. Watch at out Lady now, AJ. Twenty twenty.
0: You can follow her on Instagram now. After two be. years, <laughs> after two right. years, you can I, now follow Lady AJ, an <laughs> Lady AJ at Lady AJ. Twenty twenty, which I've been tagging since. Two years ago. So we was holding her spot. So if yep. you want to go ahead and,
2: and check thank out you, Lady Pastor AJ. For, for
1: helping me with
0: that. Oh, you already know it. You already know
2: it. I should make a class. <laughs> and this is Coach Hill. You can find me on Instagram at 910Coach. And remember, patience is a talent that a lot of people don't have. Amen. So we're going to go ahead and go into the mix. And we're going to go ahead and
0: go So I Will by Cross Worship. See you in a minute.
3: All right guys. So let's let's settle down some. We need you to sing this song with us. Listen up. Listen up.
4: God of creation.
3: There at the start before the beginning. to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of life and as you
5: Nothing
6: else we can do. I don't want to be here, I just want to leave, mama want to come back home And I promise I would do anything, cause I hate it here and I don't want to be here anymore
5: Have you ever, have you ever just given God the praise for saving you? Nobody told you that the road would be But he promised you everything would be alright. Don't complain about anything. The time you take to complain, you can be calling on his name. He'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. Jesus will always. for saving a girl life.
0: to go ahead and introduce our guest today, and I want everybody to really pay attention to this interview, because this is a lot of great information that we're going to go over today, and I, I, I wanted everybody to really think about this, this, this issue that we've been talking about with criminal reform in America, because that's one thing that, I, I, to me, you know, coming from where I come from, it, it's been an important thing because it's 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 important. Let's just put it in general. It's important. But everybody, let's go ahead and introduce Miss Jessica Peterson. Everybody, Miss Jessica Peterson. Hey,
2: how
0: you doing? Good
7: morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Anointed Radio. It's a pleasure and a blessing to be here.
0: Amen. So let's go ahead and just dive into it. Just kind of tell us a little bit about how did you get into criminal justice?
7: Uh, Okay. So I grew up in Carson, California. Um, It was kind of like a a middle-class black family. Went to a high school that had everything. It was racially diverse. uh, It was diverse in class. You know, you had folks who were going to talk you know, tier universities and you also had gangbangers. Um, So it was a little bit of everything and everybody. But I knew that I wanted to go to law school in high school because I I figured that, you know, I always wanted to help people. I always wanted to be there for people. And I kind of saw the spectrum of, you know, my classmates, whether they were, you know, affiliated or, you know, coming in contact with the police and the criminal justice system early um, that there were was, was some issues with that. There were some issues with how they were being policed. There were some issues with, you know, uh, what that meant, if they were just standing around and hanging out and, and, and how they were getting bothered. Um, and through those seven years of, of both undergrad, or four years of undergrad, and then going to law school, I went to Howard, you know, it really honed in that, you know, there, I'm in this place where there are black attorneys, black professors, you know black police officers um but i knew that when it came down to my community i felt that we were still in in the wider world um needing needing help in terms of like criminal justice and and in terms of advocacy in terms of someone who understands where they come from understands kind of like the the relationship between the law as well as law enforcement um and then being that that intermediary to help them out um when I moved to Vegas, I, you know, I didn't think that I would be doing criminal defense work, uh, at least at the public defender level. I started off at the ACLU of Nevada uh, as a law clerk. And then my husband, who is a public defender, is like, you know, this is something that I think you would be naturally good at. This is something that I think that you, you know, have a connection to. This is something that I think that at least in in Las Vegas, you know, it would be beneficial both for the client as well as, um, as you. And so I've been doing this for going on two years. Um, I love it. Uh, there are things that I saw at like the, the macro level that, that now just kind of trickled down into like what it looks like on the ground. Um, and I think it's important for, for, for us, even as, as lawyers, to understand that if you're going to do criminal justice reform, you have to know what it looks like. You have to know you know, what, what our clients are going through. You have to know how the system is essentially uh, uh, like interacting uh, with majority folks who are black and brown. Um, and that's kind of how I got here. That's where I am. Okay, okay. So
0: one thing I, I definitely wanted to ask you is this. So what is – so what encouraged you to start having a passion to start advocating for uh, criminal reform?
7: Um, you know, it's – so I, I think that any time somebody gets into something, like it's partially personal. Um So for me, I know that I have family members who have come in contact with the criminal justice system, and I knew it from like a family standpoint. I knew it, you know, as as like a cousin or I knew it as a niece, but uh, not personally in in terms of my own um, experience. And I just knew that there were things that just weren't right. You know, I knew that, like, I understand circumstances and I understand that things happen. But I also understand how policing works, um, and I also understand how over policing works, and, and and what that looks like, you know, for a kid who is brown or black is, you know, standing with their friends, you know, will probably get stopped and searched. Or myself, who I, I'm a young black woman, I've been pulled over multiple times, um, you know, to a point where I, I figured out like oh I should probably tint my windows. And, and leave like uh, my college license plate holder on the back um, because that drastically prevented me from getting pulled over once I realized that, especially while I was driving through L.A. Um, and I've always been one to uh, never back down from arguments and never back down from fights. And then always as a child wanting to represent people or even myself, who you know has has either been bullied or, or something has had like or someone who is bigger than you um, has come against you and I think that when you're looking at criminal justice reform a lot of it is in this David and Goliath narrative you have this you know bigger entity coming for a lot of small people um, and a lot of people who don't know the law and a lot of people who don't understand their rights and I'm just like this is this is what drives me this is what brings me joy this is what both keeps me up at night but then wakes me up in the morning. Uh, to continue doing this work.
2: Amen. Hey, Miss Jessica, this is Coach here. And Hello, good morning. Good morning to you. And I was wondering, because uh, I always heard this, but I don't know if it's true, that if you get a public defender, the public defender does not get paid unless you get some type of time, probation. Is, is there any truth to that?
7: That is not true. So in the Clark County Public Defender uh, we are paid by the county, so it, it's not about convictions and it's not about wins and losses. Uh, we have a regular salary paycheck. Uh, we don't get bonuses <laughs> either um, for the either for our wins and losses. Um, and it's essentially we 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 are at the at the, the beck and call of our client, so we make sure that. You know, the decisions that they want to make, whether they want to go to trial or whether they want to resolve it early and quickly, um, that is on them. We, we are there as counsel and as advisors. Now, there are things that we know because of our experience with going to law school and having multiple clients um, that we may suggest, like, hey, I think this is probably not the best uh, situation around for you. But they, they then make that decision or choice, whether it be, you know, one that we have counseled them to do, or one that we have not counseled them to do, uh, it, it's still our job to make sure that we're representing um, and fighting for them.
2: And, and I have a, uh, another good question. With the statute of limitations, uh, as for what type of crimes don't run out on statute of limitations?
7: Uh, I believe it would be homicide. And, and I'm, I'm saying this off the top of my mind. I could, usually I have a little sheet in my office that tells me when they can file criminal complaints. Um, I, I think it's usually reserved uh, for something that high. But it's all about the complaint and when it's filed. So when someone is arrested... Um, because they, you know, somebody's either called them in, they set a description, they've been accused of a crime. Uh, The police then generate a police report, and they say what happened, why they were called out, what they know, what they think a particular charge is going to be, and then it gets sent to the district attorney's office. The district attorney then has a group of people that will decide from that police report and from conversations with the officers, what to, excuse me, what to charge someone with. Um, So for example, if you are with your family on Christmas and you get into a little bit of altercation over uh, family drama, uh, someone calls the cops, you get arrested, uh, they draft up a police report, that police report is then given to the DA and they'll say, okay, well, we're going to charge this person uh, with battery because, there's enough information in the police report that we think that we could probably uh, have a conviction on battery, and that's when the criminal complaint is filed. And so it usually goes by that particular date is when you know sometimes our statute of limitations run, um, if not from the initial incident. But usually it's by that complaint.
2: So so it's, so so correct me if I'm wrong. So if somebody gets arrested. And post bail for something and if they stop showing up to court if they hold out for a certain amount of years they can no longer be charged with that or since they've been arrested it doesn't run out
7: oh if they've been arrested and they post a bail and they've got a complaint and they stop showing up to court then they will receive bench warrant so wherever they go um, if they get pulled over if they are you know somehow walking down the street end up jaywalking and end up running into an officer that officer will then run that person's name and in the system it will say oh this person has a bench warrant and then will be taken into custody so that they can then you know answer for the charges or resolve their case
2: so so the uh so once is there a certain time that if they could uh because i've always been fascinated with this part that's why i'm asking these type of questions and uh so I'm just trying—so if with the seven years, because that's what most of them say there is, seven years. So if they got arrested, per se, and then they eluded for seven years, would, would the charges st- could still be brought up?
7: Uh, yeah, so if this was a situation where uh, they were arrested and there was a complaint, um, they would still be brought in. Or if they were, they not arrested, but there is an arrest warrant— um, so sometimes there are cases that are filed, um, and the, the police department will file what's called an arrest warrant, meaning that they need to be brought in because, in, because they haven't uh, been arraigned yet. And when you go to court on a charge, you, uh, you are arraigned. They tell you what you're charged with, uh, you're appointed a public defender, and then you're given your next court date, which is called the preliminary hearing. But prior to that, if you're not brought in on an arrest, they'll have the arrest warrant. So in some way, shape, or form, they will find you.
2: Yes, they uh-huh. always do.
7: And if you've if you've posted bond and you stop talking to your your bonding agent, then they will also try to find you uh, because you have you know essentially signed a contract saying that you would pay whatever uh, whatever charges that you had on the bond, and you would also attend your court hearings. Uh, so you can have the police looking for you or your bonding agent looking for you, but at some point you will have to come back um, to court to, to, to fix your charges. Mm-hmm.
1: Good morning. Good
7: morning. Uh, Good morning. How
1: are you? This is Lady AJ. And I mm-hmm. I wanted to know, uh, could you talk a little bit more about how convicted individuals um, with the process that it takes for them to restore their voting rights. I'm, I'm curious about that because there are so many folks that um, are unable to vote because of, you know, being convicted. So could you talk a little bit about what some of the steps they can take to restore their voting rights?
7: Right. So if, if you are convicted, say, for example, of... Uh, a felony. So each felony is given a letter. So it's A, B, C, D, and E. Um, And each letter is given a particular sentencing range. So if you're convicted of a category A felony, uh, that means that you could be in prison for 10 to 25 years, 10 to life, or life without parole. If you're convicted of a category E felony, which is the lowest felony, then you could be in prison for one to four years. After someone is convicted of that felony, and that's whether they go to go on probation or they're in prison, once they have successfully completed their time, either on probation or in prison, then another clock starts. And that is the time for you to seal your record. So on a Category E felony, I believe uh, the Nevada legislature just changed the, the time limits, uh, and that went into effect back in 2017. So I believe it takes about three years from when your case closes, not when you are convicted, but when your case closes, uh, when you can start sealing your record. And Nevada is one of the states that doesn't allow you to expunge your record, so you still have the felony. But uh, while we're moving forward in the the criminal justice reform on banning the box, um, if you have your record sealed, then when you do job applications and you can essentially mark no, um, that you've never been convicted of a crime. Mm-hmm. Um, but say after your, your, your case is closed, three years later you start the record sealing process, um, that usually takes about nine months to a year. So you have to get all the documents from your conviction, what's called a scope. Uh, which is essentially the document that says, you know, what you've been charged with, what you've been convicted with, and all of your your criminal record, your history. Mm-hmm. And you have to send these documents to different agencies. So you have to, you know, go to the police department. You have to go to the district attorney's office. You have to get this sealed by a judge, uh, so that once every agency that has dealt with you while you were going through. Uh, your your criminal process or prior to conviction, now knows that you have completed, you know your your time or you've completed your probation and now you want to seal your record. Your record can then be sealed. Once your record is sealed, then you would have to go to either the Department uh, of Motor Vehicles, or even better to go to um, the Registrar of Voters to let them know that you have had this record sealed, that you are now, um, like you had once been a felon, but it's no longer on your record, and then have them do the paperwork and the process uh, to fill out, um, like, your voter registration card so that you can vote in whatever next election. Mm -hmm. So it's not automatic. Um, I know that there are states that do, you know, restoration, uh, voter restoration for ex-felons, uh, in Nevada, at least, you have to seal your record first, and then you have to go and register with the registrar vert- voters. Uh, but that could take between, you know, three to eight years, I believe, is the, the max. I have to double check.
0: So um, I want to talk about something you just said that I never knew, and that was amazing, that um, you can't expunge your record in the state of Nevada?
7: That is correct. So Nevada only does record sealing. Um, there are other states, so states, like California, you could, uh, you know, get rid of convictions, but only certain convictions. DUIs are a little bit more difficult um, because that that stays on your record for for quite some time. Uh, but in Nevada, you can you can seal your record. Um, there hasn't been a bill that has been pushed through for record expungement um, or uh, a, a legislator who is, has done so yet. I know um, I think it would be great for our clients if that was possible. Uh, but for right now, it would still carry the same, uh, the same weight as an expungement, um, but only for certain positions. So I know that for like federal jobs, you know, they can still look at your record. I believe also if you are convicted of, say, a financial crime and working for the casinos, I believe they can also look at that as well.
2: Yes, uh, when you get an expungement while a sale record out here in Nevada, is there any way you can restore your gun rights or do you just automatically lose them once you become a felon?
7: So you automatically lose your your gun rights when you become a felon. Uh, There is one way for which you can restore them uh, in theory. So you have to get a pardon uh, from the governor to restore your gun rights. Uh, I actually don't know the statistics of those who have restored their gun rights after being a convicted felon. Uh, But I, I would i would assume and i would like positively say that it's pretty low
0: that's crazy Very low. i'm just going <laughs> to say that that is crazy and and just to think and then i i want to kind of aim this to the politicians here in Nevada how many people in the workforce are being scrutinized because of their past mistakes and you know California, I guess me coming being a Californian, I'm just kind of be be bewildered by this <laughs> because I'm like, wow. So you could be 18 years old, do something, and you know, especially since you know the three strikes you're out rule was a very crucial, crucial thing for a whole generation of people. It wasn't just, and it still is, but just looking at statistically wise, that how the three strikes you're out rule because it, it was crazy. And that's me looking at as a child, seeing a kid, seeing an adult go through, okay, a DUI, right? One, There you go, one. Then you still got to pay restitution. You still got to go to work. And you still got to go see a PO. Then guess what? You ain't got a license. But guess what? You still got to get there. And everybody's forcing you to pay, go to work and do this. What you going to do? You're going to drive. Bam, they got you again. That's the second strike. And then just the most pettiest thing, third strike, you're gone for life. Like that is crazy. Well, it has
2: to be felons, I believe. I don't think I, it's misdemeanors though. I understand.
0: And they there well at least when I saw in California. It, it it was just crazy how someone's life could go away. That's sad. And it's and it's like it's and, and you can elaborate on it if I'm wrong or any way, but I, I think that's one thing I look at with criminal reform that is crazy because then someone can so easily target. It was like, oh, you got one strike? Oh, what can we find on you? And it's like, you know, you got to pay restitution, which is like, all right, you're setting me up for failure. You know, if a person has got a felony, now he got to pay restitution, he got to go to his PO, and he got to go work. And you got to pay to be on probation now. That part. So it's like... How can you do these things? And you got a felony on your record. So how are you gonna get a job, a good enough job to pay for all these things, pay for your overhead, pay for you to be have a a roof? Unless you live with your mama. Hopefully your mama or your daddy is alive. You know. And and it's like it's a it's a, a vicious cycle for setting people up for failure. So can you kind of elaborate on that?
7: Uh, yeah, and I just wanted to, to clear something up uh, really quick when it comes to record sealing. I actually have to pull this up. So, for category A felonies, it takes about 10 years um, to seal your record. However, crimes against children, felony DUIs, and any sort of um, sexual offenses, they are ineligible for record sealing. So, those will stay on your record um, forever. But in regards to what the burden is for our clients after um, they have already been convicted. You're right. There, there, there are tons. there are clients who would rather say, you know, I don't want to do probation because that means that I will have a, a financial hold. It may not necessarily be restitution, but it could be if they're on um, some form of monitoring that they need to, to pay uh, whether parole and probation. Um, but that also means that, you know, they're being randomly searched, they have, you know, curfews depending on the crime, um, they're going to be out of custody, you can't interact with felons, but if you guys live in a neighborhood or you're related to or best friends with someone who also has a record, then, you know, you just being in their presence and their proximity could set you up for, you know, revocation. Um, and there are clients who are saying, you know, probation is too expensive. And it is true that once you have been in custody, if you've been in jail for six, seven, eight months, you know, when you get out, you've either, if you had an apartment, you've lost your apartment. If you had a job, you've lost your job. If you had a car, you know, and it was parked somewhere that was in a public space, and they now have been towed. Um, And so now you have the financial burden of trying to get that car out. Now you have to go and try to find uh, a job that will take uh, someone who has you know, a a felony on their record. Um, And you'd have to do that for two, three, four, five years. And at that point, there are clients who were saying, you know, I would rather just do my time and be done with it, because that means that you're sitting there, unfortunately, in custody for another, you know, few months or years, just so you don't have to go out and have the burden of, you know, the this suspended sentence or this time could be imposed on me and if you are you know, on a right path and you're doing well one slip up you know could often mean that you're going to go back into custody and you're going to lose everything again. So it, it, it does you know play a role with our clients and, and what they think about and, and what they consider um, in regards to how to resolve their case or what's going to happen with their case.
0: Wow. I, yeah. Like, um that's sad. It's not set up for you to win. No, it's not. <laughs> like, you know, because one thing I did see about um, Nevada when I came out here, I was working at the airport, right? And it was crazy because this young man trying to get a job to pay his what? His PO, right? But I guess he had like a a, a ticket or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But he didn't pay the ticket because he had to get a job. He got to the airport. You have to do fingerprints. And he got arrested on site.
1: Oh wow!
0: So it's like, where can it? Like it just doesn't make sense. Like a lot of things. I, I feel like if we're if we're gonna do something as a reform, change parole to like. More community service. There's some things I really feel like we put people in jail for that should be community service. I feel like some people don't need to be in jail. They need to be in um, institutions where they could get mental help. I don't think that, like, with how we're going about things, we're using a primitive method to rehabilitate somebody. But you really don't. You make them worse. Like, I know a lot of people that went to jail and they came back worse because their predicament is worse. Their rights are not all there. So it's like, where, <clears throat> what would be the first start, I guess you could say, on a criminal form in your, in your, I guess you could say in your, I guess you, uh, in your words, what would you say would be like a first kind of jab at changing the criminal reform or criminal justice
7: uh, so I say this uh, not as a public defender, so I take off my public defender hat. And I know that my my opinions don't reflect uh, the Clark County Public Defender's Office, but I think that I, I handle adult cases. Um, but I also see a lot of young men, young black men getting sorted up from juvenile um, Detention. And so, third up means that if the crime that they have committed when they are 15, 16, 17 uh, is considered to be something of an adult nature, they will then go to adult court. Um, and I, I think that that's kind of scary because I had a client tell me that he went to prison when he was 16 years old. He didn't have probation. He didn't go do community work and he said what I learned about being in prison is 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 how to be a better criminal I didn't learn you know like what you would learn when you're in college because he it took away his college years. I didn't learn um you know what it meant to essentially be a better person in society or, or what we we have deemed to be a better person in society and you know he was back in the courtroom again and I think that a large part of it is that before we even get to the adult system, and I know there's a lot of rehabilitation in the juvenile system, but I think that when we start sorting up 16, 17, 18 year old boys, um, and a lot of them are young men, and we're putting them in adult facilities, I I, I don't I don't fully agree with that. Um, well, is that
0: due to that the 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 legal limit here is the age of 16 in the state of Nevada? Is that
7: due to that? Um, Sometimes it's just that they're being sorted up. It, it's that there's a decision of whether or not this will stay in the juvenile courts or go into the adult court. Um, and I believe there's also been, been clients who've been sorted up at 15. Uh, and it's concerning, uh, especially when I look at you know my older clients who are probably in their 30s or 40s, and they tell me stories of, I, you know, the first time I went to prison, I was a teenager. And, you know, it's, it's been a hill ever since. Um, but as far as the adults, you know, when it comes down to any sort of drug offenses, like I think there needs to be more rehabilitation. I think there we have Nevada is actually, however, um, further along than other states when it comes down to community courts. So we have a veterans court. We have a drug court, we have a mental health court, we have a gambler's diversion court, uh, we have clients that we could send to um, inpatient drug treatment facilities that also sometimes provide housing. We have Salvation Army, and still, that, that it's not enough. Um, it's it's not enough. And I, and I don't want to say that we're not doing good work, but I, I do want to emphasize that we uh, should at least increase the different options that we have so that we can try to rehabilitate um, the clients versus sending them to prison. Um, Or if the option is to send them to prison, to be productive in prison. I know in Maryland, at the Jessup Correctional Facility, um, they would have law students from Georgetown Law School go and teach a creative writing class to those who are um, lifers. You know I, I know that there are some uh, institutions or some prisons that have college courses uh, for for inmates who are going to be there for a long time they have reading classes um, because you' you're sitting there and you're you're talking and you're watching TV and you're listening to the radio but like there could be times where you're doing productive things and learning skills so that when you are coming out of custody and you're trying to reenter back into society, like you've already been branded a felon. But to be a felon without, you know, having quality reading skills or to be a felon without any sort of, you know, soft or hard skills that can be transferable into our job market, I think we really need to focus on that because I I feel like a large part of uh, recidivism, a large part of why our clients go back into custody is because the, at this point, there's nothing um, for them out there. Right. So you have family, or or you may not. You may come back and everyone's gone, or everyone, or that relationship has soured, and you're just on the streets trying to survive. And maybe you try to 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 work, but you know people aren't hiring you. And I think that we really need to, if we're really going to be serious about it, focus on like, lowering the recidivism, focus on how can we, uh, one, remember that the people who are coming into custody are still human beings, um, and they still have lives, and they still have families, and they still need to live in this society. Um, What can we do so that they don't come back here? Um, And I think it's programs in place. I think it's, you know, addressing the the core issues, whether it be mental health or drugs, um, which oftentimes are linked together um, so that we can curb how many people we're, we're keeping and we're housing.
2: And uh, when you were mentioning the courts, is there a, a friends and family court too? We do officers? have family court. Like like the friends and family of like police officers and lawyers and judges and stuff.
7: Uh, no, no, we don't have a particular court. Everyone is, goes through the. Uh, regional Justice Center, state court, if they are, uh, you know, convicted of a crime or, or not convicted, either convicted or um, arraigned of a crime, or if you know you have the municipal courts if you have any traffic tickets. Um, but we're 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 all in the same boat.
2: Okay, and then uh, when you were talking about the youth and them getting locked up at like 15. 15- I remember I once read an article that let's say a young man got arrested at 15, got out at 29, did 14 years. When he gets out of jail, his mentality in the free world is still a 15 year old kid. Cause when you're locked up, you get everything taken away from you. And I remember when I was young, a, a friend of mine's got locked up, and then he did 10 years. And we were walking through the mall like his first week out. And cell phones were ringing, and he almost, like, lost his mind, went in the corner because he couldn't believe that cell phones were so accessible and so small because when he left, you used to have that pack with the big old antenna on it, and you had to carry it over your shoulder, and then pagers was just coming out, and it was like, and he was, I think, if my mom said he got locked up when he was like 22, so he was already in an adult state of mind, but when you get locked up as a kid and do 15, 10 years and come out, right. your mentality is still 14, 15-year-old kid, and if you wasn't, you already wasn't molded, right, because you're in that situation, so right. you come out with the kid mentality, and you might get in trouble again easily because you're not aware of paying bills every day. You not you not you not used to have to feed yourself every day. You, you know, being able to use the bathroom on your own and not being told when to get up, when to go to bed, and stuff like that. So all that is like giving kid freedom, even though the the, the he might be a young man twenty nine because of his mentality. And I think that's where when when you release somebody like that, it should be different. It should be a different predicament for them to help him to be successful in life because that's still a kid even though they're 29 years old because of their mentality
7: right right you know it's it's kind of like standing still in time right. you know you don't you're kind of closed off from everyone else and if you are you know convicted in Nevada and you go to high desert or southern desert uh state prison it's about 40 to 45 minutes away from Las Vegas and if you don't have, you know, family or friends or, or someone that cares about you coming to visit, then the only people that you see day in and day out are your your, your fellow inmates and the correction officers.
4: Right.
7: Mm. And it's, it's not like, you know, they're going in and, and they've got laptops and, you know, yes, there are TVs in certain areas, but it's not the same. Right. It's not the same as, as if you're, you know, you or I and you can see like, oh, this, this new A gadget came out or you know this is how we're doing banking now or this is you know like what cars are looking like like if you go in say back in like 99 and you come out in 2016 and you see that they're electric cars you're like wait a minute what's happening
0: (laughs) 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 right and one thing i wanted to ask and um i think this will be the last question is that um so someone is getting pulled over what should they do? What is the right way to respond getting pulled over, especially here in the good state of Nevada?
7: Yes. So it's, it's funny. I actually had this conversation uh, with a couple coworkers. Uh, there, there are your rights, and then there are things that you, quote, should do, or which would make it easier. And I think people often do this because of the situation that they're in. So I'm going to start off with, you're right. So when you are pulled over, you should definitely stop, pull out your driver's license while, you know, they're approaching the car while you can, put in your hands, roll down all your windows, um, speak to the officers, um, ask them why they pulled you over. You always want to know why, um, whether it be for a faulty tail light, Um, your license or registration has expired, uh, something you always want to know why. Um, the officer of course will then, you know, tell you, or if they don't tell you, then they're going to try to make something up. So that's when you got to put your feelers up and figure out, okay, well, something is a little suspicious at this point. Um, they will take your license. They will take your registration, um, and they will go and they'll run your record. If everything is fine, then they should just give you your documents back. Sometimes they'll give you a warning. Sometimes they'll write a citation. Um, but if they start asking, can you search the car? If they say, can I search your vehicle? And I don't know what the conversation could be prior to that or if you uh, allegedly fit some sort of description, but if they say, can I search your vehicle, say no.
4: Um,
7: that's your right. You have a right to say no you have a right to not have someone search your vehicle without probable cause or some sort of warrant so if your car uh, is clean and you're a family man or a regular person or a regular woman um, you can say no now that may prolong your stop that may have you and the officer um, get into a conversation on you know well, why won't you allow me to search your vehicle or let's step out of the vehicle or, you know, you fit the description of X, Y, and Z. And so now it's going to become an ordeal because you have exercised your right. But you do have the right to say that I do not consent to searches. You should also ask, are you free to leave? Because at that point, you need to know whether or not you're being detained. So if they haven't put you into handcuffs yet, um, you need to know what's going on. So that's why you ask the officers, why you stop them, you tell them I don't consent to searches, and then you ask them, am I free to leave? Because if at any point you are taken into custody, um, you can then use this information with your attorney and say, you know, they've either searched my car illegally, they've brought me into custody illegally, and they weren't supposed to because they violated my Fourth Amendment right. Now, what actually happens and oftentimes happens is that we see people who just consent to search it. They say, yes, you can search my car. You know, I have nothing to hide um, because oftentimes it makes it easier. And I know we have this fear of, you know, traffic stops turning deadly. You don't want, you know, your, your, your 20 minute ride home turning into the last moment that you're on this earth. Um, and so oftentimes people will say like, yes, you can search my car or you just give them your license and registration. You keep your hands out of the window or you keep them at 10 and two um, because you're supposed to, you know, be as less threatening as possible and ensure that at the end of the day, your main goal is to get home and to get home is to do X, Y, and Z. Even though you have, you know, fourth amendment rights, even though you can say, I don't consent to the search. Am I free to leave? Why am I being pulled over? Um, But in Nevada, what I appreciate, and it's funny, I actually got pulled over four houses down um, from my house one night. And I asked him, you know, the questions. He put his flashlight into the back seat because uh, my windows were rolled down. Um, But I did ask him, do you have a body camera on? And he says, yes. And he says, you can hear it. It's beeping. And that has been, you know, really good in terms of uh, interactions both with the community, at least in my personal experience and the police, because I know that if I, for whatever reason, had to have a public defender because I got arrested or something happened, um, that that body camera is there and that they can review it and they can they can, you know, either verify or if I'm lying and see that I'm lying on what happened. Right. Um, and so that, that's essentially, uh, what we should do. There's a lot of back and forth on whether or not we should be, you know, um, exerting those rights. And when I say we, I mean, I mean black and brown folks because it because we interact with the police a little bit differently. Um, and what that means for, you know, us to get home or what that means. Like if you have kids in the car, um, you know, like what the ordeal could be depending on what route you take.
0: So, one, so in closing, what would be your, your last minute remarks and advice to someone out there?
7: a good question. I actually have to sit and think about this. Um, I think when it comes down to it, I think you should, you should always know your rights. Always know what you are entitled to. Um, we, you know, we are human beings. We have families. We're part of communities. Uh, that piece of paper that is the Constitution applies to us equally. And I think it's important that if you're coming into contact with the criminal justice system is to remember that the second thing is to ask questions, always ask questions, ask questions of, you know, your attorney, ask questions of judge, ask questions of, of the law enforcement officers because you need to know what's going on. You need to know, you know, how your life is being affected, how you're moving through, you know, the court procedures and, just for your own sake and your own resolve, and I know I have a ton of clients who call and they ask a ton of questions, and I try to be thorough and I try to respond as quickly as possible and I try to get everything um uh, squared away so that I can answer their questions, but I do appreciate when they ask because then that means that you know one they're just not allowing their life to be in the hands of someone else uh but two that you know, it just gives them a sense of ease and understanding. And I know that if I'm in that same situation, in that same position, you know, I want to know every answer, what's going on, how I'm being affected, what's going to happen, what's, you know, as a planner. So two things, always know, you know, your rights and how they apply to you and that they are afforded to you. And then two, to always ask questions.
0: Amen. Well, we thank you for coming on to the show, spreading that knowledge. You taught me a whole lot because, <laughs> man, I did not know all that. Thank you. Yeah. So we thank, thank you. for you. having me.
7: It is a pleasure. It is a blessing. I'm, You know, this is. I woke up at, at 6 this morning preparing, so <laughs> I appreciate the opportunity.
2: We appreciate
0: having you on thank the show. We definitely appreciate on. you on there. And like I always said everybody, now that you've been on the show, you're like family. So, if you ever need anything about an event, or if you're having anything that's happening, you know, as right. um, community events and things like that, or any information to give to the community, definitely reach out to us, and we'll definitely spread the word.
7: Amen. Thank you so much.
0: Amen. Amen. That was that was deep. It was yes. It
1: was informational.
0: Informational ain't the word. It it, 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 it was wow. That was crazy. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know all that. Mm-hmm. But it's about that time. But it ain't gotta stop. Why not? Because at eleven o'clock. What's going on? At Judah Family Community Church. I'm giving a word about consistency. Mm. Consistency. If you really think about it, is the definition of family. Thought about that? Consistency is what the definition of family should be, at least. So I'm gonna be talking about consistency, which shows action. So definitely want everybody to tune into our virtual campus at Judah Family Community Church, or if you're in in the Las Vegas area and you would like to attend, we're at G- Rancho High School. In the theater, doors open at 1030. Definitely love to see you there. And one thing I want to leave with you today is this. Assumptions die when communications start. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's me. Okay.
1: Okay. (laughs) All right. Have a wonderful week, everyone, and I just want to remind you to count your blessings.
2: And this is Coach. You can find me on Instagram at 910coach. And what I want to tell everybody and leave them with today is get you some friends like the people who was on the roof waiting to speak to Jesus, the Lord, the paralyzed man down. Get you some friends like that. Because if you got friends like that that's willing to carry your weight until you can carry your own, Mm -hmm. you'll be on top. Amen. Coach signing off. Amen.